Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Well, we've been in the month of January. We have dedicated to, amen, not only to consecration, but we've dedicated it to um, be a springboard for this year's theme. We know that this year's theme is purposely commanded to serve. Purposely commanded to serve. And we've been looking at the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to ask that you return to it again. It was read to you in your hearing. But we want to read it to you again. We want you to really grab this, hold on to it. We want this to take you through the year. We want you to um, let it come out of you in your words and your thoughts. Let it go before you. Let it guide you and direct you. Peter says that the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, church. And of sober mind, so that you may pray. If ever we needed to pray, we need to pray now. Men ought always to pray. And he says, above all, above everything you do, above everything you say, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins, covers a multitude of faults. He says, offer hospitality to one another Without grumbling, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, how? To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Here it is, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Purposely, we've been purposely commanded to serve. Peter tells the church that the times that they are living in dictate that we be alert and of sober mind because the end of all things is near. So stay clear-minded, saints. Stay disciplined as the people of God. Be alert, be sober mind, so that you may do these four things as the body of Christ, as ambassadors of the gospel, as ministers of reconciliation, do these four things, but do it in the light of knowing that the end of all things is near. He says, pray. He says, love each other deeply. And he says, be hospitable. And he says, use the spiritual gifts that you've been given to serve. Today, I want to focus on verse 9. And from that verse, Peter gives us an example 
of loving each other deeply. He says, offer hospitality. Offer hospitality one to another, but do it without grumbling. That's the manner in which we ought to demonstrate this example of loving each other deeply. Above all, he says, love each other deeply. Don't just love surface. You see, authentic, authentic love must show itself in actions, in practical ways. And hospitality is one of those options. It is a specific example that Peter gives of loving one another deeply. The Greek word that we get, hospitality, literally means love of strangers, um, to be fond of guests. It is to be a lover of hospitality. To be hospitable means that you make people feel welcome in the places where you live, where you work, where you play, where you pray, or where you spend your time as disciples of Christ. It involves anticipating and meeting the needs of guests while providing a place of fellowship and acceptance. People who welcome guests are called hosts. And those who are welcomed are called guests. To be hospitable is, is, is both universal and cross-cultural. It is, it is something, it is a virtue of being friendly and warm and welcoming and helpful to others. It is universal. It, is, it goes cr- across cultures, across ethnicities. Speaking biblically, Hospitality is treating strangers and friends alike. It is welcoming one another into our homes and into our lives. You see, hospitality is a sacred duty and a virtue, a Christian virtue that the New Testament promotes. It is to offer and extend the privileges of community to those who have not, to those who do not have the standing to expect the privileges, especially those who are vulnerable because they are strangers or because they are outsiders. Hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and then, then treat them like insiders while they are with you. When the church consistently practices hospitality, you know what? It leads to a deeper sense of connection and belonging with each other and with those that are around us. The early church was comprised of Christian brothers and sisters who loved to share with each other. They love, amen, to share. It, it was their lifestyle. 
you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it gives us a description of how they practiced this in the early church. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They even sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They went to church together. They went to synagogue together. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Now, this is in contrast to the spirit of selfishness that prevails in our neighborhoods, our community, and yes, the nation and the world. A desire to protect what we have and keep it for ourselves. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. The ministry of hospitality, it was so important in the early church that it was one of the qualifications for a bishop or an overseer. Be hospitable. They must be hospitable. They didn't go around with an entourage or a posse or armed guards. No, they had to be hospitable. They had to be welcoming. They had to be approachable. Peter not only instructs the church to practice this virtue of love, but he says, do it without grumbling. <laughs> you see, Christians who practice hospitality simply because it is expected, they tend to do it with a grimness. A legalistic spirit, empty of love, devoid of love and joy. That's not authentic Christian hospitality. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is only going to flow freely when we are hospitable out of a motive of love, a heart of gratitude. When we delight to share the good things which God has entrusted to us as faithful stewards. You see, when we recognize I am blessed to be a blessing. I've been given a, a generous portion of grace to extend grace. Peter seems to know that some of us are better at conforming externally, obeying externally, rather than from our hearts. And so he adds, offer hospitality to one another, but do it without grumbling. 
You see, hospitality, it was foundational in the Christian movement that Jesus started. It came, it, it, it was attached to their Jewish roots all the way to Abraham. Those that were desert dwellers depended on hospitality. It went back even further than that. It went back to the Garden of Eden. You see, all of human life begins with God's act of hospitality. With God, what God did, he made a place for us, he made a place for humanity in the world that he had created. And then he made a garden and he, and he places man in the garden. It is God demonstrating hospitality in a world that we had no claims to inhabit. And yet God knew that this offer was dangerous because as outsiders, we might defile his pristine world and garden. And that's what we did. But he welcomed us anyway. And having been embraced by God, we make space for others and invite them in. You know, in Africa, whenever you're riding around on one of those, um, those vans and that they use as, as transportation, it can be loaded. But they'll always say, there's room for one more. There's room for one more. On a crowded elevator, there's room for one more. At the cross, there's room, though thousands have come. There's room for one. Yes, there is room at the cross. Jesus demonstrated, God demonstrated his hospitality. Because hospitality treats outsiders like insiders, just as God treated us. When Jesus, when Jesus, you remember when he sent out the 12, they, they were to find places to stay as they went out, find places that offered hospitality. Now, one time they took it to a real extreme. I remember um, in, in the scriptures when um, the Samaritan village rejected um, hospita offering hospitality to Jesus. And James and John says, Lord, you want us to call down bombs? <laughs> Fire? You know, they, you know they, the apostles, they were known to go off the edge every now and then. No, no, that's not what the Lord is saying. When Jesus needed a place for the Passover and, and for the Last Supper, he assumed a place of hospitality would be found. In fact, the early church's practice of celebrating the Lord's Supper, they practiced it together. It was rooted in Jesus' practice of eating with his disciples. There's something about sitting down to a meal together. There's something about gathering together. The early church regularly expressed its love for one another within the context of hospitality. There's just something about being at the table with one another. 
being in the house with one another, offering, extending kindness, meeting each other's needs. Some of your parents, some of your grandparents, they knew what it was to practice hospitality. They, they had learned from the South or, or from the Caribbean. Their, their door and their table, their, it, was all, it seemed to always be open. They always cooked expecting unexpected guests. They brought that spirit with them to New York. People like Felix and Alice Williams and Curtis and Thomasina Smiling, Lorena Arch and Robert and Dora Ibram, William and Clara Copeland, people like David and Pamela Jilks, just to name a few and more. Biblical hospitality is an authentic, warm, from the heart, welcoming and serving, especially toward those who can do nothing in return. Acts 27, Paul is on his way to Rome. Remember, he's on his way to Rome because he has, he has as a Roman citizen, he has um, <clears throat> required or requested the right to a trial in Rome to go before Caesar. And they're on the boat. They run into a storm. The Lord had reminded, um, the angel of the Lord had told him that um, they were going to be all right, but there was going to be a shipwreck. And then it happened just like he, his vision and the, and the boat is tossed in the storm and, and then they hit a sandbank and, and the boat begins to break apart and, and they're going to kill the prisoners. But um, there, Paul tells them, no, don't kill the prisoners. And so the, the person who's in charge, he, he has a respect for Paul. And he says, okay, everybody that can swim, jump overboard and swim to land. And maybe all the other persons grab a piece of the boat and float on. In, verse, in, in, in the next chapter, in chapter 28, look at the hospitality that is extended. It says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. He says, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Can you say hospitality? And then you skip down to verse 7. And, and Paul says there was an estate nearby that belonged to Populus, the chief official of the island. And listen, look at what happens. He welcomes us into his home. And showed us generous hospitality. Not one, not two, but for three days. And these are prisoners on their way to Rome. He offers generous hospitality. Romans 12, 13 tells us, share with the Lord's people who are in need. It says, practice hospitality. Hospitality requires practice because there's something about our sin nature. We want what we want. We want to keep it to ourselves. We're not a very sharing people by nature, most of us. 
Not you, but most of us. Romans 16, 23, amen. It says, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, he says, sends you his greetings. Y'all remember Gaius? As we've gone through this 21 days of consecration, as we have been hearing exhortations about health, Gaius is the one who John shares um, prayer, his prayer for him and shares his thoughts about him. In John chapter, first, third John chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, he says, the elder to my dear friend, here he is, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in truth. He says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. You remember we've been going through this for the last three weeks. I pray that you would enjoy good health and that, you, that it all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It's the same Gaius. And so in 3 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing. You are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. And he says, please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name it was for the sake of the name that they went out, the name of Jesus, receiving no help from the pagans. He says, we ought to therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the faith. Peter says, offer hospitality one to another without grumbling. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 says, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, nor not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And then Paul tells Timothy in chapter 5, he says, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her, her, her deceased husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, here it is, and showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Hebrews 13, verse 1 says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, he says, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing. Listen, you don't know who that person is that you extend kindness to. You, you don't know who that person is going to become. From the youngest child to the oldest person, the very person that you show kindness and hospitality to may be the very one who sits on a board 
in a bank when you run into trouble, but they remember the hospitality you extended to them as a child. Be careful how you treat folk because you are entertaining some very important people that will be in strategic places at some time. And Peter says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, sober mind, so that you may pray and above all, love each other deeply because love covers all kinds of sin, offer hospitality, one to, to one another, but do it without grumbling. You know any grumblers? Are you one? Huh? Do, do people... Do you, do you have a reputation of being a grumbler? Grumbling is what the Israelites did in the desert. They were hungry, thirsty, and man, they were upset that God had dragged them out into the desert to die. They could have stayed. Their eyes were focused solely on their surroundings, on themselves and their circumstances rather than focusing on God, the God who delivered them, the God who provided for them, the God who preserved them with a mighty hand. Instead, they murmured. To, to murmur is to grumble, to show discontent, often done in whispers, in low tones, to express displeasure. You remember when your mother, your father disciplined you and you, and you, and you, and on one side, you wanted them to hear you grumbling. On another side, you didn't want them to hear you grumbling. And that your dad would say, you got something to say? You was murmuring, complaining, and grumbling. Most grumbling surrounds change. Change is never easy. It's never an easy thing to pull off. But it's often necessary to grow. We've got to learn how to adapt to the world around us because we're living in a changing world. You don't compromise the word of God. You don't compromise, amen, your ethics. But you've got to learn that this is not your mother's world. And people often don't like change because it's scary or difficult. And so what do they do? They grumble. When things don't go fast enough, people grumble. When things don't go in a certain way, people grumble. When things push you outside of your comfort zone, you grumble. Complain about something in a bad temper. You gripe. You whine. You mutter. You express annoyance. Something is going on in your heart. And I want you to know that the Lord notices. Enoch prophesied about people who would be known as grumblers. 
In Jude 14, it says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied, amen, about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of their ungodly acts. He says, they have committed in their ungodliness. And of all the defiant words, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people, these people are grumblers and fault finders. Do you know any grumblers and fault finders? And they follow their own desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Israel is known for grumbling. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the seas. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And then he says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He says, now these things, now these things occurred as examples to keep us, to keep you and I from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. He says, do not be idolaters. Anything that you love and you, you uh, anything that you love more than God, anything that you place above God is an idol. He says, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And here it is. He says, and do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as an example. They're written down as warnings to us on whom the, the accumulation of the ages has come so that if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has taken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear or stand up under but when you are tempted he will provide a way out so that you can endure it he says do not grumble the world loves when the church grumbles the world, the world loves when we are griping with one another and whining with one another. Do you know any grumblers? Because I submit grumbling is contagious. So be careful. The Jews grumbled when Jesus told him that I am the bread that came down from heaven. He looks at them and says, stop grumbling. 
Some of the disciples grumbled at the words of Jesus. He says, in, he says on hearing um, it, many of the disciples says, this is a hard saying when he says, you've got to eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man. He says, they said, who can accept it? And the scripture says, Jesus was aware that his disciples were grumbling. And Jesus looked at him and says, does this offend you? See, Jesus notices when we grumble. You can try to grumble underneath your breath, but he hears you. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. It's not my word. This is the Lord's word. And you can say, well, that's just the way I am. My family's always been this way. We, we, this, we can't change. I'm not listening. You take that up with the one who says, stop it. James 5 9 says, 5 9 says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Let me conclude with these words. The words of Christ Himself. Because as the body of Christ, we've been purposely commanded to serve. And the words of today's text tells us to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. He says, because for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came. You came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him. Lord. Lord. When did we see you hungry? And feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When, Lord, did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or when did we see that you needed clothes and we clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will tell them, he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers, and sisters of mine, you did for me. I'm going to stop there. He's going to say something else to those on the left. Go read it. Which group are you going to be in? And what will he be looking for? He's not going to be looking for, oh, I, I, I achieved um, all kinds of degrees. I accumulated all kinds of wealth and titles and prestige and following. 
You heard it. You read it. He's looking for hospitality. And Peter tells them, offer hospitality one to another. And do it without grumbling. Don't get caught up with the grumblers. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and that you close your eyes. Because I believe the Father is again extending his hospitality to somebody this morning, this afternoon. He is again extending hospitality to you. An outsider, outside of the family of Christ, outside of the ark of safety, he invites you to become an insider. He is extend, extend, again extending hospitality to you and saying, come to me all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He is saying, take my yoke upon you for, uh, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. You will find rest to your soul. I am the bread of life that came down. I am the water. I am the spring that will be in you springing up. I offer you hospitality. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you acceptance. I offer you a place. Will you accept the Father's hospitality? Maybe you walked away. The Father is extending his hospitality and forgiveness to you. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Hear his voice calling you. Come my son, come my daughter. Hear him knocking on the door. Open the door and let me in. I will have fellowship with you. I will dine with you. Admit that you need him. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Confess. Admit. Believe that he offers you salvation, that there is no other name under heaven whereby man must be saved but the name of Jesus. He said if you would believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth, you would be saved. Father, I pray for those that are looking and listening. I pray, dear God, that you would drive home this message, that they would be as that, that sister who broke open the alabaster box, that they would overflow with gratitude at your generosity of grace. I pray, God, that they would receive your forgiveness, cry out for it. In this moment, I ask their God that you would do what only you can do in their hearts and in their lives. Father, I pray for the body of Christ. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, oh God, that we would take Peter's admonition, dear God, that we show hospitality one to another and that we do it without grumbling. Teach us, Holy Spirit, 
Teach us. We say yes to your will and we say yes to your way because we have been purposely commanded to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you've been blessed by this word. I hope that you have, it's been clear. If not, thank God for technology. Go back and listen to it again. But I pray that you would hear what, have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to us today. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.